Hey everybody! Welcome back to Flooping the Pig. We did not record this one last week. This is a, this is an original, so don't listen to what these guys tell you because this is an original Flooping the Pig. I'm Brad Garun, and I'm here with Kevin Ford. What's up, Kevin? I'm good. I can't wait for you to tell me who the guest voice in Elemental is, like I don't already know. Are you a big fan of her? Um, some of the stuff she does, not all of it. I just watched. Well, we'll get to it later. Justin, what's up, Justin Houston? Hello, I'm also here for the first time. Let's talk about Elemental. Elemental. Ice King is using wire coat hangers to search through this crack in his floor of his kingdom for missing keys. And it's so deep that they end up discovering this big block of ice that contains a person, Patience St. Pym, an ice elemental to be exact. Ice King, of course, falls in love with her right away. And Patience tells Ice King to round up Princess Bubblegum, the Flame Princess and Slime Princess, and says if you got to take them against their wills, do so. And she freezes Finn and Jake when they begin to protest. Ice King does as he's told and gets all three of them back as commanded. And Patience tells the princesses that there have always been embodiments of the four elements since life began on the planet. Those four elements being fire, ice, candy, and slime. She was the ice elemental in her time, and at that time it was a non-magic world, and she would frequently gather with the other elementals. And as they kept gathering, they would see visions of a future which predicted an epic cataclysm that none of them would survive. And so Patience got the idea to freeze all of them to avoid the catastrophe, but she was the only one who wanted to do so. And she believes that now the current world is magical. The four elementals can now unlock their full potential. And she identifies these three princesses as this universe's elements. Slime Princess is into the idea. Flame Princess being frozen is super out of sorts. And Princess Bubblegum very pathetically shoots a jelly bean out of the palm of her hand, but this jelly bean is uh, patient slips on it and it ricochets into the block of ice, which flame princess is encased. So she gets her flame powers back because she's now broken free and she unfreezes everybody else. And Finn uses slime princess's slime to stop patients and stick her to the wall as they escape. And Ice King is uh, slowly trying to get her down from the wall. And Patience says that she is going to start some crazy biz in a pretty threatening manner. And then Ice King reaches into his throat and finds that's where the keys were all along. I found uh, a lot of interesting things about this episode. But what did you think of it, Justin? Yeah, in terms of like a, a setup episode or other things to come, I thought this was really, really good. Really, I, I love the that we got like a pretty thorough history of the creation of everything theoretically uh which was not something i ever expected to get an answer to directly on this show in this form the sh- show sort of could get our our version of contemporary uh versions of of the uh the, the, you know the four kingdoms or um i i thought it was uh really interesting and i i thought um uh she made for a, a compelling I don't know, very different character patience was than, than we're used to. I liked, um, I liked the, the, the sheer amount of, uh, exposition. Cause I, I don't know if we get like a ton of that, uh, either. It's just nice to get these episodes where they're, they're dense, but we got all that information and it didn't lead to anything directly, which if you're, I think if you're going to do those episodes where it's 
a big setup, you have to, it has to have some rewarding stuff, you know, like with, with Maja being able to tell a really interesting story with Bubblegum and Marceline made the wait for that payoff. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like a, like you're cheated anything when the episode is good. So I thought it was great. I liked Ice King just, you know, being Ice King, <laughs> being immediately into uh, Patience right away. And her sort of glossing over his weird bits was great. Uh, I liked it a lot. No rest for the sexy. That line made me die. And it hit, it happened like really early in the episode. So I was in from the beginning. Was a little annoyed that Patience's plan was pretty much the Vampire Empress's plan. Makes Ice King feel very makes makes it. I don't know. It just made it sort of feel like Ice King. I get that that he's meant to be vulnerable to this kind of stuff, but those episodes didn't happen that far apart from each other. So that was a little annoying. But I liked everything else. I thought the animation on Patience's ice was really cool, and it really set apart her power from Ice King's power, which was neat. I like that we learned that there has always been magic on Earth. Like, uh, if if Earth exists now, if or sorry, if U exists in our future, there is magic currently on Earth. It's just like uh, underpowered and hidden, and I think that's neat. I thought that the a um, couple things were interesting. One, uh, Jake is still sort of just assuming that Finn's always trying to smash uh, because uh, <laughs> Finn uh, he assumed Finn was hitting on patients. I thought it was interesting that there was a Gian Lorenzo Bernini reference in this episode uh, as a sculptor. There was like a, I don't know. Do you guys know who Bernini was? Uh, just, I, I know the name. I don't know any of the work. So I was sort of taken aback by the reference as well. I know nothing. I was just like, what, who's, who's this for? Who's, who's a big classical sculpture fan that this is for? So that one was a little weird. I also, so the, the only thing I, I sort of don't totally agree with Justin that this is like as satisfying as like the Maja t-shirt. Epi- I don't know if you were saying it's as satisfying as the Maja t-shirt episode, but I actually felt a little bit left wanting more in the end, mostly because Bubblegum and um, Finn and Jake and the princesses just bail. But like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Patience is going to get out of the slime very soon. What's to stop her from continuing to terrorize? I just sort of felt the episode maybe could have used like a bit more of her being her being stopped because I'm pretty sure we don't see her again until her miniseries. I, I think you're right. I think we don't. Yeah, it's definitely not as good. I wouldn't say it's a, as good an episode of that. But my point was is that the I didn't feel like we needed the resolution within the episode. Oh that, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, that was that was more my point. But um, right, I didn't need yeah, it, I, I didn't need her to go away. I was just like I just thought, okay, what's to stop her from immediately going after them? They so clearly ran out of time that mm-hmm. they had. It felt like they had thirty seconds to wrap up the episode because they spent a lot of time on exposition. That was my uh, feelings behind it. I don't know whether that's. Uh, did, did you feel like the ending was rushed, Kevin? It, I felt like it kind of left me wanting more in a good way as to the, especially with the threat from patience and what was to come. Like it obviously felt like this wasn't going to be a, a dangling thread that does not get resolved of sorts. Um, and I'm interested to see if any of the princesses start thinking about, oh, if I'm an elemental, what does that mean? What can I do? All, all those sorts of things are of, of immense interest to me. So I, so I kind of thought that um, the ending being the way it was was a positive more than anything else. Yeah, I guess I, I guess all I wish is, mm, I think I'm being kind of a baby in my complaint, 
But because the story of the show takes a detour um, into something else very big coming up in a few episodes and stays on that other storyline for quite a while and then immediately pulls back into this storyline, it sort of feels a bit whiplashy. Uh, in the end, it all does work out. But um, I just kind of wish we got a little bit more of this before the story moves in a different direction. Maybe I that's was. why they did it, actually. Maybe because they knew they were going to have to do another miniseries. Because normally in Adventure Time, they just straight up, uh, they won't tell you that they're going to go back to it. Maybe because they don't know they're going to go back to it. They, right. they, don't, they don't make it obvious. In this case, maybe the, the point of making it obvious was that when something happened, you went, ah, that's what this is. That way you didn't have to guess. There was less uh, ambiguity about uh, a sort of what it was related to. The show was very obviously telling you this is going to come back and soon. Mm, I buy it. I do think it's interesting that it was, well, I mean, maybe brought up later, but it wasn't brought up here that it stands to reason there wouldn't have been a new ice elemental. If one of them froze themselves in a while, but now that Simon has the powers of the ice King, could he be sort of like the supposed elemental of, Ooh, or did he, bring the ice and all that to this world and the, so it didn't feel like there was an element missing well, so to speak feels to who i mean no one it, the, the reason we have this episode is because no one in Ooh now knows about this stuff well i guess to like the cosmos or whatever you want to say like the, the world the, the world didn't like um you know implode or something because one of the four elements was missing because simon as the ice king filled that void that we would we wouldn't have known it was missing, but the the universe, the cosmos, whatever you want to say, would have. Sure, and like during our time, Santa Claus filled that void, <laughs> right? And um, oh, there was another. Oh, and I your point about the uh, the Empress is well made because I felt like the character just like the how they were drawn and because they wore sunglasses reminded me so much of the Empress. I almost thought like when it started and before she said who it was, I was like, did they bring back the Empress for this role? So point well taken from, from all accounts, both how their plan was and both just the look of the character too. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, this is a good one. Let's talk about some tables. Five short tables. Devon Dudley's favorite adventure time episode confirmed. This is where we get ice King reading five chapters of his Fiona and cake fan fiction to us. Uh, so we see that Cake enjoys making flapjack caricatures, and she does this to try to tell a chronological chronological story with breakfast, and that doesn't resonate or interest Fiona at all. And Cake says maybe Fiona would be more into the idea if they were based on people they actually knew. So she grabs her portable skillet, they grab all the flapjack ingredients, which includes a flower demon, and they head out to go and see some of their pals and try to make or flapjack caricatures out of them. So they first go to the Candy Kingdom where they see that the uh, Prince Bubblegum is consulting a periodic table to strategize against Butterscotch Butler, the Butterscotch Scottish Butler in a game of chess. And the female butler wins by getting into the prince's head with some private information from his diary, which makes the prince angry. And he throws his chessboard out the window and Fiona and Cake decide it would probably be in their best interest to model their first flapjack caricature after somebody else. So they go to the library where they discover Flame Prince keeps leaving embers all around, which makes the librarian Turtle Prince very nervous. And he doesn't really want to check out a book to Flame Prince. But fortunately for Turtle Prince, he wasn't interested in checking out a book. He just stopped in to use the bathroom and felt like kind of like at a store where only customers get to use it. He thought that was the same principle with the library. And uh, that's of a relief to Turtle Prince and Flame Prince, too. And then in the woods... 
Marshall Lee is trying to get Lumpy Space Prince to take a tablespoon of cough medicine. He doesn't want to, so Marshall makes up and acts out this big fake story where he battles uh, this snot monster and ends up being killed and asks LSP to take this potion so that Marshall Lee won't die in vain. And LSP takes it and their cough disappears, but he also breaks out and bumps and Marshall Lee thinks maybe he gave him the wrong potion. And they were playing around long enough that we see in the distance Cake was able to make accurate flapjack characters of both of them. And then we get an inception style moment as Flynn, the human being, and Jacques the raccoon are listening to the Ice President's fan fiction, which is being told by the Ice Queen in the Ice King's fan fiction. And the Ice Queen is all mad that the Gunters are distracted by Fiona making Gunter flapjack portraits, and she gets to attack Cake, and Cake makes Fiona this flapjack sword with crystals in it. Fiona deflects one of the Ice Queen's own ice beams, which freezes the Queen herself, and Cake throws a flapjack portrait of the Queen onto the frozen Queen's face. And then Ice King tells the Gunters that tables were the connective tissue of these stories. We got a breakfast table at the beginning, the periodic table in the Candy Kingdom. Flame Prince burned down the the table of contents in one of the library books. LSP was taking a tablespoon of medicine, and the Ice Queen did a tabley thing too, probably. So he's going to call these short stories Grables, but changes mind and calls them the more clever title of Tables. And we actually see in the end that Cuber is watching all this from afar on his TV, and he's like disheveled. He's got a five o'clock shadow. He's live his living quarters are a little in disarray, and uh, he kind of sadly says that he'll never look at Tables the same way again. I thought this was a, a pretty unique twist on Grables, and that ending definitely left me very curious on what's going on with our pal Cuber. What did you think, Brad? I loved it. It was delightful. Um, I'm pretty sure Cuber is still reacting to his very difficult experience in the last Grables episode where he was like crazy attacked by um, future Candy Kingdom stuff. I thought the twice gender swapped up characters were crazy cool. Flynn and Jacques and the Ice President, really good stuff. There were so many cameos guest voices in this episode but weirdly oh just want to mention you call them prince bubblegum uh his name is actually prince gumball which is interesting because we learn later that ice king must have some knowledge of bubblegum's uh, more knowledge of bubblegum's past than than we would imagine based on that name i also really like that ice king clearly understands jake like understands jake's personality because cake not only makes flapjacks which are a version of pancakes with which Jake loves, or I guess the total opposite based on what Cake says. But um, Jake would also be very into some kind of art piece where breakfasts need to be told in chronological time. And I wonder, so uh, Justin, I know you watch. Kevin, I don't remember. Do you watch Binging with Babish? I do not. So Binging with Babish is a YouTube show where they where the guy makes um, food recipes based on food from TV shows. And he double dipped. This week was the second week in a row that he did Community. So I think he might be running out of ideas. And I would be very surprised if the Flapjack Sword didn't end up on on his show. Yeah, it's, I don't know. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I, I could see him doing that or maybe even trying to tell a narrative story with Flapjacks <laughs> of some kind. Um uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really good as well. I don't know why I, I didn't. Uh, I I liked the episode. I really don't like the last line or the last bit. I just thought it was not a. I found it just sort of confusing and slightly depressing, I guess. Um, but I loved all the individual stories within. And you're right, the the sheer volume of uh, guest voices who they did get and like who they didn't get was also kind of weird and emblematic maybe of that time period, like. 
oh, this person wasn't busy, but this person was. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I what, is, what does Neil Patrick Harris have to do that he can't come back? <laughs> and then, like, Donald Glover. Like, like right, that's the they time got period. Donald Glover, but right. they couldn't get like, Neil Patrick Harris? Right, like, one of them was free and the other one wasn't. Uh, and and I, I, I would have guessed wrong about who was which was which. Um, so that was <laughs> that kind of strange. Um, but, yeah, in general, I thought it was a really, really... Uh, cute episode with a good with a, with a good setup and i like the individual stories this was my the most i've liked marshall lee as well i like that as as these stories have progressed the sort of the softening of marshall lee has mimicked that of uh all the progression of these characters i think tend to match ice king's growing relationship with each one of them and and they're they're the sort of the distinct way that they um, uh, that they've changed a little bit over the years. Uh, so I, I like that. I, I, I liked it a lot. I just, I don't know why I didn't really like the ending. I found it kind of sad. what did you think, Kevin? Yeah. Well, the ending I found to be very interesting, definitely a little sad, uh, but I don't, I, I didn't think like it was the last you're going to see of Cube or anything. So again, kind of like the last one left me curious to, to learn more and go into the next part of that story. Uh, the only one, the only guest voice I noticed was missing was, um, uh, was Pendleton Ward doing LSP's voice, but I really like him doing lumpy Pendleton space. Ward, Pendleton Ward definitely did LSP's voice here. That's what I'm saying. That's the only one I noticed was different. Peter Serenarovitz or whoever. Oh, does. Peter Serafinowitz. Well, did Peter Serafinowitz do it the whole time or did he just do it when he was, when he was, was, I can't remember that episode so, so much. It was that never Pen Ward. That, that was Lumpy Space Princess's version of what she sounds like. Remember, the idea was that Ice King had a voice in mind, and then Lumpy Space uh, Space Princess says, "That's not what I sound like," and then they changed the voice. I also think there was maybe one where Lumpy Space Prince didn't speak, and it was because and I my just re- thought in my head, "Oh, they didn't get him." Right. Yeah, so that's when Marshall Lee started talking in this episode. I was like, whoa, they got him. I was sure he was going to be mute for this episode. But I really like Pendleton Ward as LSB, so I was okay with the the switch. I'm pretty sure this is the last we see of Cuber, actually, which which is kind of a bummer. That blows my mind. Yeah, I couldn't think of another time we saw him. That was the other reason I was like, I kind of forgotten about it. I thought we had just gotten his... His the, the the trials that he went through to get these things back, and I thought, okay, that's a well, that's a that's a fitting end to a guy that witnessed was we mostly knew as a guy who witnessed stories, and then he became part of one. I think maybe they just had to put a button on it because he was in all these mini episodes, and someone wanted to write it. I guess that's amazing. Yeah, I'm looking at Adventure Time fandom. It says his last appearance is Five Short Tables. What the heck? Yeah, sorry guys, that's the end of Cuber. Well, maybe he'll come back on HBO Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I, I don't know why I think he's in the Emo episode, but that that I don't know. Maybe Emo's in space, so it's possible. Cuber, Cuber lives like a thousand years from now. Uh, maybe Bemo does too. Maybe. Oh, I mean Bemo. Well, shoot. Now I can't say anything. Let's talk about the musical. Okay. So, th- thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs a mill for our last episode. First of all. Oh, for the use of LSP. Or no, for uh, oh yes, that's a good point. Uh, that's definitely for me a good use of uh, the Lumpy Space Prince. Yeah, agreed. Yes. Yeah, good use of Lumpy Space Prince. Thumbs up for the episode. Yep. Same. Oh, okay. Great. Musical. Princess Bubblegum and Jake decide to put on a battle of the bands to distract Finn from his sadness over the Finn sword breaking, 
and they make him the celebrity guest judge. And PB's the host, and Ice King is security. And it actually ends up working pretty well. And the bands we see covered are Susan Strong and two of her pals. We see Flame Princess and Neptor rapping with Cinnamon Buns selling their merch. Marceline plays with Death and, a- Death and LSP. And Marceline stops playing because she loses her guitar pick. But Finn is still hearing some music, and he's very hypnotized by it and wants to go find it. And we find out it's not Jake and Lady who are backstage rehearsing. And they end up following Finn, who has gone into the woods to find out what the noise is. Uh, there's a whole thing with back at the Battle of the Bands, like a riot's kind of breaking out. Finally, Marceline plays again, and she's angry that Finn is gone by the time she finishes playing. But the big discovery here is that Finn finds this face hole in the ground, who's very surprised that Finn can hear her singing. And she says that she's been there since the beginning of Ooh, and because she can't move, she sings. She's neither able to participate in joy or prevent disaster. There's only two people who can hear her songs, those who see the world with pure childlike wonder or those with a deep sense of loss in their hearts. And Finns thinks that because of the feeling of loss he has towards the Finn sword at this time is why he's able to hear her. And the, fa- the musical tells Finn that he's lucky to have friends that are able to observe him and enjoy his song. And Finn feels good about this. And so he makes a uh, a crown out of a potato chip bag and declares that the musical is the winner of the Battle of the Bands. And Finn and her are singing a song, and we see that his face reappears in the broken crystal in the Finn sword. And he tosses the crown into her mouth to end the episode. Another interesting one with another character kind of going back in the beginning of Ooh, and I like little things like um, we could see uh, in her, see like pictures as she's telling stories. And I like when she says like, the only two people near are those with childlike wonder. And we see like a, a sh- outline of BMO and then with deep sense of lost their hearts, we see an outline of Simon. So some good stuff there. What did you think, Justin? Yeah, I like this a lot. I like this episode a whole lot. And, um, I was hoping I would like it as much watching it again as I did the first time that I saw it. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, obviously I, I mentioned in last week's episode that it's, it's uh, it's a very poignant thing. This episode is is relevant for the the uh, end game of the original series. So um, it's uh, yeah, I, it's just it's really emotionally affecting. It, you know, it's it's funny. I'm going to think about this episode and this time period on Cartoon Network as the, the sort of the, the the two you know dominant characters that I would I would see on the network were Steven Universe and and Finn the Human, aka like boys with feelings and it's not something that uh got shown a lot um when like i was growing up or or just in general it was it's not something that i think still um gets shown uh carefully and and as well done as as both of those shows uh invested us in in their outlook on things where not everything was about aggression sometimes things was working out um you know, a, a lot more complicated emotions uh, that that caused aggression. Uh, I think that's that's really really cool. And this episode is a um, a great encapsulation. It, it's unfortunately not an episode you could ever. I don't think you could ever really show someone who'd never seen the show and 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 go look how good because they it, you just I, I think you lose a lot by not having the the, the history uh, the the short-term history and the, the long-term history of this place and these characters. Um, uh, the only other thing I'll say is that I think, and this is a, again, more uh, of our wrestling background. 
there's a calculated mistake they make in this episode. Uh, and our, our knowledge of wrestling uh, is, is coming into play heavily here. Uh, I think they thought that Ice King singing his song on the stage was going to get like some major heel heat so that when he, when he got knocked off the stage, he'd get a big pop. But the problem is, is that Ice King was working on a banger. And I really wanted to hear the rest of the song uh, that he was going through with. So it kind of fell flat. I was kind of annoyed that he was knocked off stage because I wanted to hear the entire, I wanted to hear him just start to finish with this song that was definitely, I felt a banger. Uh, Brad, did you also feel Ice King's song was a banger? I'm going to be honest. I don't remember Ice King's Do the Boogaloo that well. I will say, uh, I have in my notes that Marceline's song here is my favorite of all her songs. And then as you were, as I was doing research for this episode, I realized I came to find that, uh, it's not a Rebecca sugar or even like adventure time original song. It's by, um, a singer named Mitski and it existed before the show. So Marceline's doing a cover here. So, Oh yeah. I guess- it's one of the few when she starts sing cause I'm a big fan of, uh, of Mitski. And I-, I was like, I was like taking it back. I was like, Oh, they licensed the song for this one. Okay, that's dope. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I've never heard of Mitski, so now I have. And that song is fantastic. But I'm a little sad that it's not an Adventure Time original. I, speaking of references, uh, Peanut, uh, Peanut Bubblegum says uh, to Jake <laughs> that Finn is Jeffreyed up in his dome piece. And I wonder if that's a reference to get him to the Greek. Because I've never heard someone saying someone being out of sorts is being Jeffreyed, aside from in that movie. I, mm, I've seen I, that movie, but only like when it first came out. I have no yeah. idea. It's, it's not a good movie, but there's a, a part where, uh, I was going to say Ice Daddy? No, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, smokes uh, something called the Jeffrey with everybody in the cast, and they, they lose their minds. And so I wonder if that's a reference to that, because I, I don't know. That, that slang I've never heard before. This show has lots of slang I've never heard before, but that seemed really specific to be Jeffreyed. I like that Donnie got a shout-out when I was, yes. was guessing who the guest judge was. I don't that know was his Donnie. first guess as to who the judge would be. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> um, so random. Um, and I also really liked when PB started being a butter. I can't stop thinking of her being a butter now. <laughs> when Bubblegum... Um, who started her announcements, she was like, all right, who's ready for plans? Battle of the bands. <laughs> I just like, that felt very real. Um, I want to do a, a, before Kevin, I ask you what you think of this episode, I just want to do a quick public service announcement. The five second rule gets some play in this episode. The five second rule is not real. The moment your food hits the ground, it becomes dirty. If you don't wash it off, you're going to get coronavirus. Oh my God. My, my daughter, when she first saw this, it just, that like two days before the teacher had been given this hour sermon about how five second rule doesn't exist. And it's, you're crazy. Like they don't, don't just eat stuff on the floor. It's, it's going to have germs on it. And I had playfully been dropping things and eating them off the floor. Oh my God, you're gross. Just to infuriate her. Um, And to see her go like, no, and like scream. (laughs) So when this, when this came on, uh, man, she got hot. Like, and she still did. Like, I wondered when we rewatched it, you know, like a, a year or so later, I thought, I wonder if she's still going to be mad about this. And as soon as she goes, says so there's some reference to the five second rule. She just screams. That doesn't exist. Like, she's really not okay with that. Smart, smart person. You nailed it. Uh, 
and yes, I, I did enjoy this. I didn't give the, the concert itself too much love because it, the bigger story here was the Finn and the face stuff, but it was very funny. They did a good, um, balance in this episode, I thought. And yes, the Marceline song was excellent. I did find the Finn and face hole song, very touching, very moving at the end. Um, really strong episode here. Um, but it did not get better as we went along, unfortunately. The episodes, that is. Oh, God. Guys, I didn't watch Daddy Daughter Card Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to watch it. Holy crap, we you're going to have to do this one. You'll do we this do one four episodes uh, on this oh, podcast. Oh, wow. Why did I stop watching? I mean, I don't like this episode, but why did I stop watching? All right. Well, Kevin, maybe your maybe your recap will refresh my memory from yeah, what I I think no no no. I, I I think the punishment should be Brad should have to try to recap the episode <laughs> from now. Oh, that'll be good. I I I don't wait, do I not why do I have notes for it? I mean you can't <laughs> you have notes for it. Curious <laughs> my ice Oh, oh, there's just more notes for for the musical. I, I, that's why I screwed up, because I put musical notes in my Daddy Daughter Corridor slot. I'm curious why Ice King didn't mention that he could hear the music, too, when the musical specifically said that someone with the silhouette of the Ice King could hear it. Bimo was silhouetted, too, but he wasn't in the shot when Finn asked, and Ice King was. Simon. And the, Simon could hear it. I, uh, the Ice King could not. That's and the, the Finn sword is shown to be alive, is my other note. Oh... I'm sorry. Also, the episode, I should stress, it's kind of weird. The episode is called Music Hole. And every time I've said it, and you guys have said it, I've heard the word musical. Well, Kevin has said musical. I mean, it sounds like you're saying musical. I know you're saying musical. Yeah. It's kind of a nightman situation. I I wonder if that's intentional. Or just works out that way. I mean, it's a literal musical. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> All right, I'm gonna just we'll, we'll see how how much Brad remembers of this as I as I I hate it. Okay, well save that for when I say Brad. What did you think of the episode? <laughs> All right, so Daddy Daughter Card Wars. You may remember the episode Card Wars, in which uh, this podcast is titled after "It's Back, Baby," because Jake is trying to get his daughter Charlie, who has an affinity for tarot cards, into Card Wars. He's got some repressed stuff from his 20s and people he played Card Wars with he's trying to get rid of in a underground Card Wars doubles tournament. BMO is so against this idea that he jumps overboard off the ship. Uh, and Charlie agrees to play if Jake will give her one of his own bones. And I'm thinking like a dog bone, but no. He gives her a bone from his finger. And they end up coming to this abandoned oil rig where the tournament's being held. And Grand Prix and Moniker are the reigning champions. They're also from Jake's gaming past. And Charlie puts together that Jake and Moniker have somewhat of a romantic history. Well, unfortunately for Jake, Charlie bails after the first round that they win and heads back home. And she lives in like a pyramid where she uses Jake's bone along with a lock of ladies hair to do some special card reading. Meanwhile, Jake is using his body to create a double of a fake Charlie to continue along in the tournament. And uh, back at home, Charlie's using these tarot cards and this to see into her future through the decades. And this leads to her that she should probably go back and help her dad, which she does. And even like slaps him in the face and says, like, be content. And we see Jake's immature 20 year old self kind of like spirit fly out of his body. And Grand Prix and Moniker defeat them in the finals. But instead of freaking out like he would have done back in the past, 
Jake shakes their hands and wishes them a good game. And then the episode ends with Jake literally burying his 20s to end the episode. So, Brad, does any of that jog your memory or remind you of why you don't care for this episode? The only thing I remember is that I really liked BMO bailing because it was a nice callback to the original Card Wars episode where BMO knew that Jake gets too competitive over this game. And I remember literally nothing else except thinking that, well, I guess not literally nothing else, but the only other thing I remember is thinking that Charlie was a boring character and that this was a weird direction that I didn't like. But that's it. I can't I can't speak anymore. Take it away, boys. The tarot card thing was just like really confusing. And I don't know how that like kind of led her to go back to Jake. I just thought it was kind of odd. But Justin, uh, definitely let me know what you thought. Well, so, yeah, I kind of ruminated on it for a while. And and I didn't really there, there wasn't a lot of like big meaning stuff that I got the first time. I just thought it was just like a series of things. I can't relate to anything more than uh Jake losing card wars, hearing the ocean and just like destroying things. I, I, that was my twenties essentially. Um, so I related to that a lot, but what I ended up sort of getting out of it mostly was, uh, that there's always a danger that, that when you're confronting your past, you're actually reliving it. And that's the difference is I think Jake thought it was some way of, fixing the past and fixing the the bad thing he'd done but really the damage he had done was his childishness in the reaction he wanted to fix it by winning the game he thought well that's that'll fix this bitter memory i have and actually and that was that 20 year old sitting on his shoulder going yes if we're winners we'll feel way better and the reality it comes from confronting that going oh i was a jerk that that's the bitterness of this memory and that's what he got to fix and it came from i got a sense that charlie's just sort of like uh i don't want to say like an old soul but like um she's uh i don't know there's just there's certain people that i i knew in high school that seemed like they were already 30 but they were still idiots like they they were um they were smarter than me in a lot of things but they're also like way dumber than me and like simple stuff. We just had a real knowledge and like personal life disconnect. Like they were emotionally deeper, but like simple stuff, they were really shallow on, you know, like they couldn't make basic choices or, uh, I don't know what to do in this relationship. I'm unhappy with. I'm like, well, stop, get out of the relationship. What do you mean? And they would go on and on about the complications of it. I'm like, you're overthinking it. Just get out of it. Stop, stop doing that. Um, I felt like this was uh, Charlie trying to gain a little perspective in the now. And, and she was looking toward the future, looking for everything, uh, looking for her future, looking for information about herself and where she was going, you know, looking years and years ahead. And what that um, wisdom brought her is that the most important thing was what was what she just left in that moment. Uh, And so she went back, slapped some sense of using her own sort of, maturity maybe rubbing off on her dad when she smacked him um and that's that was the real fix for him is um not reliving these old grudges not uh you know like finding a way to move past them even as you confront them that's what i got out of the episode uh i liked a lot of it um pretty good it it did feel i don't know it felt really it felt like another show it did not feel like adventure time I don't know what show this was, 
but uh, it part of it just didn't feel other than Bimo yelling no and jumping off a boat and floating away. It didn't quite feel like adventure time. <laughs> did you feel that way, Kevin? Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I did like Charlie's disposition and I do like that her relationship with Jake was very positive as opposed to like this relationship that needed to be fixed or Jake had just because of their growth and kind of passing by Jake that they weren't on the best of terms that need to be resolved. And those are good stories, but I just like that this was, this felt different. Like she was definitely wise and more mature, but understood and still loved and being around her dad. So there was, a, I just liked their interplay and I liked that it was really only Jake who had the problem. Like his friends still played, but they were in a, a healthy, positive mindset. His daughter was super chill about the whole thing and just wanted to get the bone to do whatever she needed to do. Um, and that Jake was really the only one with this problem that he needed to resolve. And I like the message you took from it. Um, and I think just like the, the other episode, the, the lady rain corner of the crystal dimension, I was looking forward to it because Brad didn't like it so much. And it definitely didn't feel like a best adventure time episode or anything like this, but I thought it was a totally acceptable episode about one of Jake's kids. Um, did I need to see card wars again? No, but it was, it was totally fine. I suppose not the strongest episode of this batch though. Yeah. It kind of felt like it reminded me of like, uh, the last season of the Michael Scott character, uh, on the office in that, for some reason they felt the need to like rehabilitate certain things. And then God, um, Scott's tots. Uh, I don't know if that was that season, the season before, but, um, the season before, because Holly wasn't around when, and he still wasn't being nice to Aaron yet. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, but his, his final season, they felt the need to sort of, this reminds me of threat level midnight. The, the thing that Michael went through a threat level midnight was, he thought, oh, I want to be the cool guy and show off this movie for Holly. That's what she's going to really, that's where my value is. She's going to see this amazing action star, blah, 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 filmmaker, auteur, whatever. Um, and she sees it, and, uh, and, every, and, and Jim can't stop laughing at it, and people are laughing at it, and he storms off. And she sort of talks to him and is like, why don't take this so seriously? They're not, you know, let's just go watch the movie. And he sort of, as he's watching it, realizes he has a, like a, a uh, maybe for the first time in the entire series, he has a, a, a pretty strong view of himself as people see him. Um, and it allows a little growth. And he kind of realizes, yeah, this is kind of a ridiculous thing. And that's just, where the value is. I just have to make one note about one, one note. I'm office obsessed. Everything you said was right, except he actually didn't need Holly to do that. Oh, really? She she thought the show the movie was dumb too. And at one point he left and she came out to try to tell him that the movie was good. I'm sorry. It is good, Michael. And he's like, no, it's fine. Right. Oh, okay. Exactly. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I I uh, I I think I just assume that's the way it Yeah, went. he um, came to it on his own. That's D-W-I-G-H-T. good. Well, that's a different episode entirely. Right. Well, that's the script of Threat Level Midnight they're reading. Have you guys uh, seen the full Threat Level Midnight on YouTube? They released the entire yes. movie. No, I, I haven't have. actually. Oh, it's great. It is. Even if the uh, well, no, that was one of the be- the stronger kind of final um, season. But they so they needed to rehabilitate this episode because they were going to give him um, the happy ending because um, uh, we won't get into how much I hate that. But 
um, he, he gets the happy ending, but they need to kind of get some growth to get there. And I, I like that. I didn't realize that he had done it, came to that realization on his own. But this kind of feels like that. It feels like um, an answer to a question we didn't necessarily need and it's kind of complicates our feelings for the character a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I still enjoyed it. I, 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 if you, if you need it, a sorry, if you need a version of Michael Scott that doesn't end up okay, there are a bunch of David Brent sequel pieces that where he's very not okay. Right. Yes. Oh, Which is God. where it should have gone. Quite frankly, in my are, opinion. Did they? Did Jake ever say anything about like, well, Finn wouldn't join me because of how he? Because obviously, from the first Car Wars, he knows how awful and terrible it can be playing with Jake. But do they? Do they ever express that? I forget if they expressed it. We just understand that there's no way. This is something that Finn would be plenty okay with Jake going on adventure without him. Although I guess any time he's with his kids, he's probably okay with it. I think uh, there's a lot of things that you could. I don't think he ever said anything. But I bet in Jake's mind, Jake went, "This I beat him. He's a loser and I need a winner. Because all, all Card Wars oh, okay. is in is winning. Didn't Finn win Card Wars? No, he... he uh, he lets he lost. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he, he flew the pig. The, uh, he did. Uh, he did several times. But remember, he he wanted to let Jake win, and he didn't think it. He didn't think it would work. But then the pig got caught in mud. If I remember, and then the corn armies came back and defeated him, and he won in the end. And Jake didn't know that Finn had let him. Win. Got it. Okay, we've talked about Daddy Daughter Card Wars, an episode I haven't watched a lot. <laughs> well, hey, um, I need, still need to tell you where the snail is in that episode and all the other ones. So, in Elemental, it's next to, to um, Ice Finn and Ice Jake when the Ice Elemental points them and says, "Oh yeah, and I told those guys." In uh, Five Short Tables, it's on a bottom of a bookshelf in the library that Flame Prince is pursuing as uh, Turtle Prince looks on, very nervous. Musical, it's in Jake and Lady's dressing room as they're rehearsing to go on stage. And in Daddy Daughter Card Wars, it's on one of the card tables next to Charlie when she tells Jake that she's leaving after they win the first round. That's our snails for this week. Brad, uh, give us the lengthy list of guest voices. Okay, Lauren Lapkus is Patient St. Pim. Have you guys seen the show, the earliest show? That's on YouTube too, right? Yeah, Yeah, so I watched all of that yesterday after watching this episode. (laughs) I mean, it's only six episodes, and they're and they're as long as Adventure Time episodes, so it wasn't it wasn't crazy. She's awesome in it. I I haven't seen some of the. I'm curious, Kevin, what you've seen her that you didn't like. So she's what I do like her is like in the very incestuous world of podcasting on the West Coast. She's in a lot of stuff I listen to um, as a guest and and whatnot, and I like a lot of the stuff she does in. wild horses like that whole group of comedians i really like there was that one netflix show that she does a lot of impressions in and i thought it was it was not my cup of tea but that's really the only thing i've seen of hers i'm not the biggest fan of what show is that i forget exactly what it's called i'll look it up while we're while we're discussing it but it wasn't just her but it was like a a series of comedic stuff and it just didn't didn't hit me right but I'll, i'll I'll, I'll circle back as you continue with this list. Got it. I'm a big fan. She was great in uh, Crashing on HBO. She was awesome. Um, Madeline yes, Marcus. Yes, I did really like her in that too. Uh, so, okay, onto five short tables. Huge list here. Madeline Marcus as Fiona, who I mentioned. Oh, I didn't mention because that was the episode that got erased. Uh, Madeline Marcus is Fiona, who you can see on this season of What We Do in the Shadows, and she's awesome, and it's a great season. And that's the Jackie Daytona episode, so that's sweet. Roz Ryan is Cake. Tom Kenny takes over for... 
Gumball instead of Neil Patrick Harris, which was, again, kind of weird. I th- I was sure Emo Phillips played the flower demon, but I was like, wow, I wonder why they would bring Emo Phillips back. And then it was because Cuber, who was also an Emo Phillips character, showed up at the end. Uh, um, who else we got? We got Elm Newlands as the Butterscotch Butler. We got Hannibal Burris as Flame Prince. Hannibal Burris as Flame Prince for like three lines. Uh, Chris so good. Crispin Freeman was the Turtle Prince and the Ice President. Donald Glover is uh, Marshall Lee. Penn Ward, I think, is the only person to play themselves and the gender-swapped version. And Grey Delisle returned as the Ice Queen. Okay, music hole. Ashley Erickson, who wrote the Island Song, which is at the end of every episode, played the music hole, and that becomes important later. And Jackie Buscarino returned as Susan. And Daddy Daughter Card Wars, I assume these are correct. Alia Shawcat from um, Arrested Development was Charlie. Rich Summer from Mad Men, who I just saw as the bad guy in Love, uh, as Grand Prix. And Reggie Watts, Reggie Watts as the turtle announcer, who Reggie Watts was also on the earliest show. So yeah, that West Coast comedy scene is very incestuous. I do like Reggie Watts, though, too. Uh, Netflix presents the characters is what I was thinking of. Oh, I never watched that. I, that did not look interesting to me. Yep, exactly right. Um, Justin, what's your tw- what's your what's your online presence like? Oh, pretty strong. I got a Twitter, and I'm on YouTube. The Twitter is Justin J. Houston. Uh, the YouTube is Deep and Meaningless. I also do a podcast with Kevin. It's uh, about a pro wrestling company called Chikara Pro, and it's called Viva Chikara. Kevin, what do you do? I'm on Twitter at K413. Here on The Real World, I have a Lost podcast and Veronica Mars podcast, which are finished. And then a monthly podcast about the Breaking Bad universe and El Camino episode comes out next week. You can listen to all the episodes on the first five seasons of Breaking Bad also. Brad. I quite liked El Camino. And then I'm also on Twitter as Garoon Gate. Can I just uh, did we, have I talked about this before? So it's Garoon Gate because of Dragon Gate. But also I cannot stand when people call a scandal something gate. There was no water depart, uh, office building. It was the water gate just call it its own thing. Stop gating things. Ugh, ugh. I, uh, if you can handle if sorry, if you haven't heard enough of me, I also made a podcast called Too Old to Date, which is fun. Please listen to it. And next week we get to talk about what Brad feels is the real beginning of season eight of Adventure Time. Yeah, the real end of season seven and the real beginning of season eight. Justin, God bless you. Thank you for flooping the pig. I flooped the pig. Mm-hmm.